Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So you may be climbing the walls. You may be going stir crazy, but you're in it for the long haul. And as long as you are, we will be too. Forza. Yes, it's week two of social distancing and we're back, but dutifully keeping a healthy distance of more than two metres to bring you yet another WGC episode from the isolation booths. Unfortunately, Nick's not here today due to Mother's Day responsibilities. Not to worry, though, as this week we've replaced him with someone equally sardonic as friend of the pod, Adam Pritchard, at 352 on Twitter, and you may know as Planet FPL's Arsenal correspondent, takes his debut bow. Adam, sorry it can't be under better circumstances, but great to have you. Please introduce yourself to the good folk, especially uh, to any available young ladies maybe listening and fancy a virtual date. Thanks very much for having me on, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, so like you said, my name's Adam Pritchard. I am at 35who on Twitter. I write articles occasionally for the guys over at Planet FPL, but more often than not, you can find me making terrible jokes and awful puns on Twitter. That's, uh, that appears to be my main hobby. So, uh, so yeah, ladies, if that's what you like, you know where I am. Orderly queue in 12 weeks' time. <laughs> <laughs> Any queues now, two metres apart and outside his house, please. Um, Adam, it's absolutely great to have you on. Welcome. Um, all is well with me here as well in Brussels, where I expect to be for at least another month or two anyway. I've decided against going back to Ireland straight away and I'm going to work from home here for a while. Um, Belgium went into lockdown fully on Wednesday at midday. Um, so since then, there's been barely any shops open bar the bare essentials. And we're not really allowed out unless we're exercising, which of course is better than some countries. But uh, still at the same time, it's a bit difficult. But look, I've been watching old matches, poorly doing toilet paper keepy uppies. I've been getting my hour a day outside and making sure I get it and generally following all the news. So there's plenty still to keep me occupied at least. Uh, just to say who we are, we are Who Got the Assist. You will find this pod Twitter account at WGTA underscore FPL. If you want to find Tom, who's there all the time, Nick is at WGTA underscore Nick, and you'll find me, FPL Stag, at FPL Stag. You will also find Adam, as he said, at 35Who. We're also on Instagram at WGTA.FPL. You can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. So this podcast, uh, obviously we have no football to talk about. However, there is news regarding the football to come in the future at some point, we hope. So we're going to quickly discuss the press releases and discussions and leaks that have come through from the Premier League, UEFA and FPL. And then we're going to move on to the mountain of listeners' questions we've received. So thank you, everybody who sent those in. 
Yeah, cheers for those again. A myriad of different things and a few that are going to put Adam on the spot, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, just a preface, of course, before we get into it. We're obviously really worried about the developing situation and our hearts do go out to everybody affected, which is everybody, uh, but acutely uh, so those who are currently self-isolating or suffering and the key workers as well, I think it's worth giving a shout out to you doing an amazing job. It's absolutely incredible. During this podcast, we're obviously not going to speculate on the nature of COVID. We're an FPL podcast. We're not a medical podcast or anything like that. And we hope this podcast is taken with the spirit in which it is made, which is simply to hopefully make a small difference to you all with the platform that we're fortunate enough to have. Right, uh, so the first thing normally, uh, if this was normal times, would be to talk about the game reviews. This week, we all got zero, and uh, I think it's going to stay that way for quite a while. But we did get an announcement from the Premier League, as Stag mentioned a minute ago. It looks like April the 30th is now the target date for things to kick off again in some way, shape or form. I'm pretty sure that's more of a hope than a solid date. And to me, it feels like uh, it's not too far in the future that things still feel a bit kind of up in the air. Like at least it means that clubs can say, right, you've got three weeks off, guys, just to self-isolate and you've got to come back. What do you guys think after hearing that announcement from the Premier League this week? From my perspective, it it feels far too close, really, because we're coming towards the end of March. So it's maybe a month and a half or so. It doesn't feel like by then we'll certainly be a good enough or a long enough distance rather uh, for football to resume. But then again, I've been seeing some rumours on Twitter that Arsenal are certainly talking to the Premier League and health officials about maybe can they start training again? And you think if you've got a whole squad full of players able to train already, perhaps maybe April the 30th isn't so fanciful behind closed doors but um like you guys have said and like we all keep saying it's a very bizarre scenario and no one can really say for certain what's going to happen so yeah it feels a bit odd but you never know so i guess building on what you guys have been saying the 30th of april idea the the athletic had a very good article kind of discussing this in detail and i'm largely taking what i am coming with from that article and i just Mm. want to give them that credit but part of the reason why april 30th was decided was that as you say tom it's far enough away that it's far enough away but it's not so far away that people forget about football either and it can keep us in our conscience but part of the idea as well is that the players now can be given three weeks off as a guaranteed thing. So, you know, maybe looking towards returning to training, perhaps then in three weeks would be optimistic, but at least that's what this kind of gives a certainty about. It's like, okay, football is not going to happen for a long time. The players can go and do the keepy uppies and whatever else they need to do. And that's fair enough. And that makes sense. But one thing that also came from the Premier League's meeting last week was that this season will be finished at some point. There's, in TV revenue alone, £762 million estimate on the line. And then when it comes to gate losses as well, it's about 30 to £45 million per club for all the games. So there's, there's quite a lot to be lost here in terms of legal challenges, issues with the promoted teams. We went through it last week, so let, let's not get into it any further. Javier Tebas, who is the head of La Liga, was maybe a bit more optimistic, or a bit more realistic, sorry, than the Premier League in this and that he said that he hoped that the Liga could be finished by the 30th of June and goodness you do wonder sounds optimistic like even the that athletic article was suggesting that even the clubs were understanding the kind of the situation that they may need to play these games indoors that works 
for Premier League teams who make so much money from TV revenues. But when you talk about down the football pyramid and everything has a knock-on effect, that's not quite the same. You can't really have the Premier League finishing behind closed doors and having a transfer window and kind of the other divisions happening in limbo. So I feel like there's going to have to be some kind of like synthesis between the leagues and no one's quite worked that out. So there is a huge amount left to be ironed out. Regardless though, what this is, is it is the summer break now for the players. So what we're going to end up with is whenever the next season, the 2020-21 season comes, it's going to come probably just about two weeks after the end of this season, whenever that ends. And they're, they're still hoping to use August 8th as the starting date for next season, maybe perhaps finishing the Premier League season in late July if that was to fall through. Yeah, I, I think the point is just not be too transfixed on like actual dates now and trying to think about it as a season running from uh, August to May. I think that's kind of out, completely out the window and it's just the case of the best fit effectively. Like the FA, for example, have removed the stipulation in their charter binding the dates when a season can be defined as beginning and ending, which is a huge deal for the FA actually. Uh, they're an organisation whose internal agility would make the bedbound geriatric look dexterous. They are you know, they used, to, they used to be a client of mine and they are yeah, very, very slow inside. Um, so I think that that's kind of a big sign that they are you know, taking it to some extent uh, as if the season is going to be completed no matter what, which I think is a good thing. I think that's probably the best approach to be honest because we, otherwise we end up with the infernal, well, the Liverpool fan debate would just roar on forever and I don't think anybody needs that on their timeline, do they? Yeah, on, on the UEFA and the, the Premier League, the sponsors, uh, yeah, six, £760 million and being sued for that is absolutely mental. Uh, I hope it doesn't descend into coronavirus uh, with, with that sort of thing. Like this, Witless bureaucrats showing all the tax of a butcher at a vegan buffet, aren't they, really? Like, I, I, I can't believe that money's already coming into it, but there you go. Like, it is absolutely ridiculous. But nonetheless, I, I guess that those are the realities of the situation. I think the hope is that obviously that we're going to find some sort of sensible way of ending the season. I think that's what we can hope for. Um, but I guess you know, how we finish the season is also going to be quite interesting. And Stag, last week you had a few uh, interesting ideas on this, which I think are um, starting to germinate a little bit. A mini tournament or something, just to kind of rattle through the games, get it all finished, and then uh, gear up for a, the next season to be a quote-unquote proper season again. Yeah, we welcome, of course, the Premier League organisers who are taking my ideas to the podcast. It's great to have you back for another week. (laughs) (laughs) What what I kind of settled on was that I felt that this season would just have to be played out in a slightly truncated format at the time. And I guess maybe as things have kind of developed, what I was sure of was that this season had to be finished and couldn't not be finished. I wasn't quite going for the five-a-side or neutral venue in the golf type scenario, but I was kind of considering this idea where let's say we maybe played just you know every four days or something for a few weeks and I had ideas for FPL with that now Gary Neville kind of came out with this what I think truly daft idea of a festival of football where the, everyone will be playing nine days in a row uh, which is insane and like that's just going to have Achilles and ACLs and everything going mental that's just not going to work but is there a potential that they could agree on a new structure like a Champions League or World Cup type format where everything is kind of broken down into a group stages and knockout and you know it's harsh on Liverpool who are of course a mile ahead of everybody to bring them down to like a one game format but if the Premier League are and it seems like they are trying to hold on to the old calendar for next season then maybe that makes sense as just a method of kind of getting the games through rather than having this kind of long running saga but yeah this season will be finished Liverpool will hopefully lift the title as they should deserve to but and not easy for me to say that but how it will be done I don't know Something I don't really know if it's been talked about as much is that if we're thinking players are going to have a minimum of a three-week break now, 
how this truncated season impacts on them fitness-wise and injury-wise is going to be quite significant because they're going to go at least three weeks with no games. They've already gone however many weeks with no sort of formal training, as it were. They're all doing barbell presses in their homes and, uh, like you keep saying, uh, stag keepy-uppies with toilet rolls. And uh, far be it from me to comment on their professionalism, but I don't think that's ideal preparation for a game. So if you think, if you take Gary Neville's idea of playing X many games in a row, which does seem completely laughable, really, uh, there's no way that all the players are going to be able to play all the minutes all the time and that there are going to be hamstring injuries, there are going to be Achilles injuries, there are going to be all sorts of issues that I don't know if the authorities or many people have really thought about. What are you talking about, mate? Back in the 80s, everybody played two games every two days. Um, <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean, though. It's, um, yeah, I, I think that it would be, it'd just be interesting to see what's going what's gonna to happen. Like, normally, you have friendlies. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the essence of match sharpness, isn't it? And I think mm-hmm. that that's, what you, that's what declines over time. Like, if you read The Secret of uh, Footballers book, what the physio saw, he says you know, conditioning is so key and getting players to that point where they are match sharp, they would go again and again and again. Match fitness, match sharpness. That's going to be completely eroded now. And I think it'd be really interesting to see once they do come back, what things are going to be like. Because we, we just, uh, you know, the, the season is going to, has this kind of big, this big break in it. And you, you may even see kind of the meta completely shift between those two breaks in the season. Um, but yeah, really interesting to talk about. And I guess kind of the, the further knock on, the reason why we're here is FPL. I think we need to mention at this point that, of course, they couldn't have anticipated this. And uh, this uh, shouldn't come across as criticism if it's just the situation they're in. So it's a comment that's worth making, just in case anybody is uh, going to start defending the hierarchy uh, in comments. This week, FPL basically turned around and said, well, you know what? We really can't do anything about it. Um, so basically, it's uh, as it was until game week 36, which is uh, really, really interesting. Um, so it leads to the obvious question, should we even bother making transfers? Should we even bother looking at the game? Uh, FPL lad on Instagram asked this as well. He said, uh, are you using your FTs or just letting them burn? Can we use six free transfers as the world's most patient wildcard ever? I think this is an interesting question to talk about. Just because I, it just doesn't seem like they've got the ability to freeze the game. Like The key point is that if they could, I'm 100% sure they would have. But it seems that they've got the basic package from whatever they bought the white label... A good analogy is that they're driving the car, but they aren't engineers. They don't know how to fix it. They just, uh, you know, if you see what happens with uh, every every time there's an issue with uh, someone's account or something, I just think they actually can't fix it. It's not that they don't want to. It's just they can't. They just haven't got that sort of access. And it looks like a kind of a non-Oople game week. That looks like what's going to happen, I think, if they still decide within the confines of 38 game weeks how it's programmed to play the season out. We're just going to see an absolute bonanza of game week 38, aren't we? I can't really see any other way they do it unless they just cut it all off now and say, right, okay, you're our Israel, are, put a big asterisk next to the season and then we'll do like a mini tournament in the summer. That seems to be the best way of doing it to me just because I think that with the software they've got and how they're going to structure it, either we have like quintuple game weeks or we just get rid of this all and just have like a little fun tournament in the middle and then next year have a proper season again. Uh, that seems to be the best way of doing it. It seems to me like they're almost hoping everyone kind of forgets about fantasy football. Which I mean, I guess wouldn't be sort of a unreasonable thing to think. But <laughs> That's like a you fair say, comment, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But like you say, it's bizarre that they don't have the ability just to pause the game and sort of try and restructure things. But my perspective would be maybe it is fair enough to say sort of basically what you said, Tom. Sort of finish the season now. Say you can put an asterisk next to it if you like, and then have a summer tournament with a separate prize and a completely separate thing as if treat it almost as if it was a Euros fantasy, but 
in within the Premier League, or something like that. Uh, so I, I guess for me, dealing first of all with FPL Lad's question about the free transfers, I'm just letting them burn. I, I did an, an initial transfer, but now it's just like, look, we don't know when this is going to be back. Like, presume that when this game does return, they're going to have to allow us a wild card, an extra wild card, or something to reset our teams. We don't know exactly how the schedule is going to work out anymore. We don't know which game week it's going to return. So it kind of seems completely futile to be making transfers. Now, when it comes to the Premier League and their basic software package and things, so I think what the official Premier League statement, um, the fantasy Premier League statement that we got during the week kind of confirmed to me was that this basic software package means that th- this season really, I think, needs to be ended as it is right now. And then for us to play a kind of a Euros or World Cup mini format type game with whatever game weeks are left, because the season will be finished. When you think about what this is, and Tom kind of touched on it when he's talking about like the drivers who can't fix the engine, what the Fantasy Premier League is, is it is, a, it is a marketing tool run seemingly by marketing people, especially the Twitter account. And so in such yeah. a way, <laughs> what they need to do is use the game in such a way that it attracts eyeballs. The Premier League is going to be competing with so many other sports for eyeballs when this returns. Seemingly every game under the sun is going to be played in July or August when this returns. In every sport we know, because everything was stopped and all the summer games are going to be back in as well. It's going to be a nightmare. So they need to use Fantasy Premier League to hook us in. If they go for septuple or quintuple or decuple or whatever game weeks, we're all setting and forgetting a team and then leaving it for a month, 10 days, if it's the Gary Neville madness scenario. Either way, it's, it's not interesting. It's not going to hook us. We're not returning to the game week after week. We're not looking at fixtures. We're not thinking about players. We're not trying to figure out who's good. It just doesn't work. So the best thing to do is kill the season now. And then, then they have us on the fishing line again, classically, for seven weeks or seven game weeks, just hooking us along the fish, just dying, gasping for air as we try to figure out which captain to pick and inevitably just being eaten for dinner. I think uh, Stag's point is really good about a lot of this revolves around marketing and how it is effectively a marketing arm of the Premier League. And if you think if they package that sort of mini tournament at the end of the season as something really brand new and exciting, it's summer Premier League, you can get a trip to Barbados, if that's even possible by then. Uh, no, it's an all-expenses trip round England, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it will be summer though, so it will be you know at least 20 degrees. Sure, at least. Um, so if they package it up as this new exciting opportunity, maybe test out some new rules, test out some new chips, things like that. It's it's a chance for them to be creative. Which, if the Twitter, if the guy running the Twitter account has any control over the rules, perhaps uh, perhaps we could see that. But like, this is the return of sport. This is the return of your routine. This is the return of football. Like it's, it's, it's just so packageable. It's like an, it's a marketer's dream in one sense, but it's going to be the most competitive environment in terms of eyeballs, I think, that you're going to get. And so I, I just think that that's the only option and think that they have to take it. Yeah, I feel like we're just uh, working out their marketing strategy for them here, aren't we? But, you know, it absolutely makes sense, though. I, I can't see that them trying... Like They struggled last year, for example, to explain the double game weeks and the chip season in, a, in the format they like, which is one sentence per paragraph in really basic language. Imagine them trying to explain a non-Oopal game week to people. It's just not going to happen, is it? But, but, um, but, Tom, like, imagine trying to keep people engaged with... A nine game week, game week in one game week where you set your team once. Yeah, 
it's, it's ridiculous isn't it especially you know just doesn't bench work. boost I, I don't know the more i think about it obviously it's just shooting the breeze here the more i think about it yeah some sort of a sfpl summer fpl it would probably be a good idea um it would be nice adam if they came up with some new rules and some new chips or something but that would be too confusing for new people wouldn't it <laughs> so they're going to keep it as it was just to make it really really obvious um right and the final bit here um how do we feel about fpl now because obviously we're out of the cycle we've broken out of it it's like the summer now isn't it uh PLO's pen asked how are you guys filling the fpl void and i think that's just worth kind of voicing over a tiny bit like i think for me this the spell is broken a little bit it does feel like summer it's an enforced rather than elective break it'll be great to come back and it'll be great to no i can't wait for the time when my weekends are ruined by my fpl plans imploding rather than a deadly virus that's probably the, the piviest way i can put it uh, it sounds a bit comedic doesn't it but is that's the truth of it but right now you know i, I do love the podcasting FPL, ugh, that's got to come back with everyone's safe, right? It could happen indoors. It could be behind closed doors. As long as uh, the, the, sun, the sun's still shining and uh, everyone's happy, everyone's healthy, I don't really care. FPL is always lovely. It's a great distraction, but there you go. Uh, Adam, what do you reckon? I think what it's kind of showed me this little break without it is uh, this is going to sound horrendously sort of twee and uh, romantic of me, but it was always the community that I enjoyed more. Oh, oh my oh, god, oh, give over! Oh. You guys, I, I'm just doing it for you guys. <laughs> I love you all so much. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's like uh, we were sort of chatting about it earlier, and I think it was you, Tom, posted, Oh, Harvey Barnes price rise. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I had Harvey Barnes in my team, I, I completely forgot about that. But it's, um, I think what you're seeing is, especially on Twitter, all sorts of interesting and different ways people are trying to keep engaged with the community in general to show that perhaps maybe we don't need fpl to all get along maybe uh that was that was the secret inside of us all, all this time we can be friends I, without without it possibly are you joking me have you ever been on fpl twitter in this national break everyone's just arguing with each other everyone's at, at each other's throats or, 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 or the summer <laughs> the summer july Oh, July. <laughs> That's true. Ah. Some people started quote retweeting each other's tweets and going, what the hell is this going about? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, we've got some stuff obviously about the community uh, later on, but I think that's a very valid point. Uh, all soppiness and cringing at the soppiness <laughs> aside, uh, that, um, yeah, it is obviously the people who are still commenting. I think the people who are the aren't the fair weather FPL commenters are the people who are who are there and are part of a proper community, which I think does exist. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's definitely very very cool, cool to see, and we'll speak about community stuff in the next session. I subscribe to Rory Smith, the journalist of the New York Times. He has a newsletter he sends out every friday and just in the correspondence at the end of that particular thing this week uh, a guy edward baker was quoting a baseball writer called thomas boswell and i think he kind of sums up my feelings quite well about fpl right now in this for us i think as football fans time has kind of stopped so what that boswell fellow had said in an essay called why time begins on opening day uh, he was saying that life is once again restored to us in its fullness and in its absence, the feeling of the diminution is inescapable. And I think that kind of gets at the idea of what the Premier League and FPL and football does for us, especially as podcasters and writers about FPL, is that it, it's kind of the gel within our weekends and almost our week. You know, you look forward to it. It comes around. This game's on, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays or Champions League nights in the spring. The World Cup comes around in the summer and everything's just a bit out of place. And so it's not just FPL, it's football that you kind of just 
miss. And so I've been filling the FPL void to answer Pirlo's Penn's question with football, actually. So on Saturday, Newcastle United on their YouTube channel streamed the Newcastle 4, Arsenal 4 game from 2011. And um, I had a quick look online to figure out when the goals were scored. And I figured out that Newcastle's 4 kind of came after the hour mark. So I decided I would just kind of tune in tactically at about 60 minutes to watch all four goals in the comeback and it was absolutely it was beautiful so we've got like you've got two penalties in there from Joey Barton and of course the big screamer from Czech Teote as well so absolutely brilliant game to watch and you're watching all these like golden heroes of Arsenal of course Wenger on the sideline and Squilacci and Gail Clichy and Cesc Fabregas is there and Theo Walcott who still looked young in 2011 like it was Oh, it was great to watch. Um, there was also a Formula One Grand Prix being streamed live on YouTube yesterday. So uh, it was the Brazil one from 2016, a very heavy, wet one where Felipe Massa crashed out in his final home Grand Prix. It was terribly emotional. Max Verstappen came from midway through the field to pull his way up to the podium. Uh, really fantastic stuff. I watched um, an All-Ireland hurling final from 2014, the first game, if anyone's questioning the Tipperary Kilkenny drawn final. Brilliant game as well from 2014. Um, Otherwise, how have I been filling the FPL voids with cooking? I've been playing board games with my housemates, uh, with podcasts. Uh, one of my favorite ones at the moment is one that's just started in this new phase of life called Isolating with the comedian David O'Doherty. Um, it's an Irish comedian and it's on Second Captains. And David O'Doherty is a man with two, par- well, two parents, as you would have, uh, in their 80s. And so even they're in an at-risk group, he's moved to rural Mayo or Ackle Island for anyone who's being a bit more specific the geography and he's kind of just charting kind of the madness of what he's doing he's uh, playing trivial pursuit with questions from 2009 and so his brain is like clicking into the 2009 questions and yet still he can't escape the reality of the world because there was a question about the h1n1 virus in there and what it was commonly known as and (laughs) and he's been being chased by hares on a bicycle that doesn't have brakes but there's no cars so it doesn't matter it's pretty great yeah, yeah, definitely. Esoteric pursuits are probably the way forward, aren't they? So I guess during the time off, uh, what have I been doing? I've been, I've been on Twitter, but to a lesser extent. I definitely, um, last week I said that I was thinking about buying a Switch when it was talking about it. I accidentally did buy that Switch on Wednesday last week. I mean, the girlfriend wanted a mouse for a computer. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to be environmentally friendly here. And I'm going to buy a Switch as well, because it means I only need to make one delivery rather than two. And so I did that. I said I had a voucher or something, and she has bought it, I think. So we were okay. I just told her it was, it, it, you know, it's just little, it's quite an old console. It's all right. And she, she hasn't told me off yet. And let's just hope she listens to this. She's um, obviously a big fan of the podcast, if you're saying, <laughs> saying that. <laughs> Number one fan. Yeah, exactly. But she, she, she does, she's, she's enjoyed watching me um, watch me play Zelda this week, uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, obviously, it's a, uh, the productivity for work has gone down a little bit. But as I said, just kind of seeing what's going on and just uh, uh, keeping up with it, I suppose, in terms of uh, what's going on in the community, we'll speak about in a sec, and other things like that. It's just been, uh, just, just been taking my mind off it, as it were. And Adam, finally, what have you been up to? Um, well, I, I tweeted this a couple of days ago, but I've been watching tackle montages of Bakary Sanya. Um, I watched a old YouTube video of Nacho Monreal and Santi Cazorla playing keepy-uppies with a tennis ball. Um, but it, I still won't watch uh, Australian football. Still won't do it. Won't, won't sink to that level, but I'll watch all sorts of, if you've got a vine of a footballer kicking a toilet roll, I'll watch that. I've watched a lot of dog videos for some reason. You're taking really dog watched. videos over Wes Houlihan. 
I'm just yeah, glad you said dogging, or dogging videos, to be honest. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, I mean, I was going to come on to that, but, you know, maybe... Oh, bad choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. That's staying in. Oh, dear. <laughs> nice work. Well, that's that's us in the explicit category for another week. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> after the last week's shithousery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, I think we should probably cut that short then before it gets disintegrates any further um, <laughs> uh, and uh, move on to the questions after the short break while we compose ourselves. <laughs> Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and uh, I think that the first thing we talk about this week before we get to the questions, uh, an inaugural new section, a feature, things making us smile, let's be optimistic. And I think it's fair to say that the memes of this, uh, from this kind of altogether bizarre period have definitely been helping us through it uh, the first thing we're actually going to put this into the podcast it's uh, the, the biggest lasagna meme um just take a listen first also just so you know um my sister her boyfriend's um brother works for the ministry of defense and one of the things that they're doing to prepare and this won't affect london this will be everywhere they're basically worried that people are going to get stuck indoors without any food so one of the things that they're doing is they're actually working on making a massive lasagna. Um, so they're actually, at the moment, as we speak, they're building like the massive lasagna sheets um, and they're just going to start making the layers um, today uh, and then hopefully, like, obviously put the put the bolognese on and then put the sheets on top. But they're having to make the special sheets, obviously, because they've not got one big enough because they're making lasagna the size of Wembley Stadium. So how they're doing it is they're actually putting... The, the underground heating at Wembley, that's going to like bake the lasagna and then they're going to put the roof across. So it's like a recreate an oven. Um, and then what they're going to do is they're going to like carry that. Um, they've got loads of drones and they're going to like lift it up with the drones and they're going to like, like cut off little portions and like drop them into people's houses um, just so they make sure everyone's eating still and no one dies, which is obviously quite sensible. But yeah, I think I'm looking forward to that because I do quite like lasagna as well. So fair play to him. It's just that line at the end because I do quite like lasagna. <laughs> it's such a good end. It's such a good ending I, because I do quite like lasagna. <laughs> fair play to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely. I I just I absolutely creased up. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that that meme was made by uh, Billy McLean, a guy from uh, London, and uh, I, I guess he's got a serious point behind it. Uh, as you heard, we all found it hilarious, but he's showing the power of you know, how WhatsApp can spread misinformation and things like that. But yeah, absolutely priceless. Uh, really, really well done, I think. Uh, and another one that I like this week is the guy who was asked the uh, A A or B on quarantine. Have you guys seen that? His, his, oh, that uh, was a quality one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, You've got two choices, mate. A, you're quarantined with your wife and family. Or B, 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 definitely B. Uh, yeah, really, really good. Uh, what my apocalypse outfit looked like, I really liked as well. And there was a good Irish one as well that was uh, sent on the uh, on the uh, the Dublin meetup group, which has now turned into loads of Irish people and me, uh, some sort of a strange inaugural thing. Or I'm, I'm, I'm one of them now, according to uh, Tony Gemmel, which is very nice. Uh, but there was a, a meme in there. Uh, be, beware, everybody. Ireland's now sober. <laughs> After the shutdown, <laughs> Jeff was what was brilliant and um, also this week as I mentioned earlier um, football clubs have been doing things so um, uh, you know the 4-4 was uh, played out um, also I saw hashtag Wenger out was trending so I had a look and I was like what the, what's he done now I thought he'd made some sort of ridiculous sort of comment on in his new role uh, for FIFA but no it was the Arsenal Leicester game where we won 4-3 halcyon days 
And I saw also there's a few things like FIFA as well. So I saw Neil Moore pay actually scoring a goal rather than missing a gaping chance. Uh, what have you guys seen this week? Yeah, so just building on that with uh, players playing games, um, Borja Iglesias and Sergio Reguilon played out the Seville Derby last weekend as it was meant to be played out at the time. So obviously Betis versus Seville and on FIFA. And then this week, kind of taking from that, there was a three-day FIFA tournament where one player from each La Liga team represented each club uh, playing against each other. So it was Friday through to Sunday, I think. So Marco Sensio, Sergio Roberto, Anyan, and Adnan Yanezai were amongst the players for that tournament. So that's, that was pretty cool. I've noticed a lot of clubs have started playing Connect Four and like sort of doing all sorts of noughts and crosses things on Twitter, which, uh, I mean, it starts out being quite funny and then you see sort of like Barnett trying to play, I don't know, guess who against Bayer Leverkusen. You think this has gone down a weird rabbit hole, not something I ever thought I'd see. But no, yeah, it's nice to see that they're sort of realize i mean obviously it's social media so they're trying to grow their brand etc etc and you can be very cynical about it but it's nice to see they're trying to keep people engaged i guess for a little bit yeah and some of the clubs as well some unfortunately and not all but not every club is a financial might maybe if premier league clubs are supporting their communities and they're giving out food parcels and they've been paying their staff in spite of the fact that games aren't going ahead and this sort of thing is obviously brilliant to see yeah, no, definitely. There's lots of good stuff going on. I saw, for example, tonight Liverpool FC were saying that their stewards were available to help in the community with they just provide manpower and things like that, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, in the FPL community itself, uh, just to give a shout out to Champman FPL. Uh, give them a follow at Fantasy Champman if you're interested. This is a. Uh, uh, something created by Simple Goal FPL, Andy Martin and James Lepren. Um, and Rob Pick is also doing a great job as the CM Scout. Um, it's basically the CM 2001-2002 game. They're simming the season. Uh, you can download an Excel and make a team. It's really absorbing. Obviously, it's something that other halves may look dimly upon, um, but it's, it's definitely something which is really absorbing. Um, and you can follow the meta game as well, which is really cool. Uh, lots of excellent stuff. So, for example, Vieira's already been sold by Arsenal. And there's injuries for the likes of uh, Juan, Seba, Veron. And Alan Boxic in the friendlies. There's blanks and doubles already. Uh, Liverpool have the Super Cup. Newcastle beat Villa 2-1 in the Interstoto Cup. So there's a blank in game week two, which rules out Shearer. Uh, anyway, it's very cool. Uh, so get your head into it if you want to. Getting your head back into that time again. I mean, I was 12. You guys were presumably two. It's really interesting to, to, to see that. All right. Okay. Uh, anything else in the community we should mention, actually, before I move on? No, but has anyone been singing on like a balcony or out a window on your street? I think I'd just be told to shut them up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a brilliant comparison video, you know, and you've like opera singers in Italy and lads on pianos on like squares or plathas in Spain. And then there was a guy started singing Bohemian Rhapsody out his window in the UK and there was just one person who said, shut them up, mate. Up <laughs> 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 and it was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. captured the thing yeah there was there's some great stuff actually in Spain as well of like lads doing bingo out their window out their balcony and like all of the people in their whole entire community playing the bingo along with them and yeah there's some pretty great creative stuff going on absolutely what's even funnier is that we've gotten to balcony fatigue where some people have said if I see another video of Italians being friendly out of their balconies being happy <laughs> out of their balconies I'm going to scream I was like well that really is us now in a nutshell isn't it that we're getting make everyone happy fatigue yeah ridiculous right now let's move on to the questions before we go down that rabbit hole uh, the first thing is to talk about the mad uh, Fuster Cluck uh, slash mini tournament if that happens what will we do what sort of players are we looking at wow a natural FPL question I know uh, but anticipating mayhem um, Ian FPL strategic and uh, FPL underscore manager underscore on Instagram ask which players will we be looking at if there's that sort of crazy end of season if that materialises uh, so let's assume that will happen 
what sort of players do you reckon might be figuring on our radars? Is it just the obvious ones? I think so, yeah. I think it's kind of, you have to take that classic approach, avoid the rotation risks. Like, I mean, Riyad Mahrez was on his way out for a lot of uh, fantasy managers anyway, but I mean, I certainly wouldn't be trusting him in that kind of period. I think people like uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who are nailed to start uh, with a decent run of fixtures coming up are sort of the ones that you want to be eyeing. Um, and I guess uh, sort of looping back to what I said uh, quite a while ago about fitness and how that will be impacted, you want to be going for those players who you would consider more likely to be able to have the capacity to play a, sh- a lot of games in a short amount of time, I guess. That would be my my opinion. So you're saying pick James Milner? A hundred percent. And captain. <laughs> I mean, he's on pens. So. This, is, this is true. Like, if it was a eight games in a row type thing, like Salah definitely wouldn't make it through that. So you probably would pick Milner in that scenario. Milivojevic nailed on captain, oh, isn't he? Great because pick, great Zaha's going to play every game, right? It's like you know the classic rejoinder. People go, "Oh, he's going to be rotated," and you go, "You know what? If you worry about rotation, just pick a team of Burnley, Palace, Brighton players. Well, Brighton before Potter, anyway. But now that might be true that you're going to want to have you know the Gary Cahills in your team, the Milivojevic in in your team. Maybe a Raul Jimenez and Jota will be flogged, but you know, I don't know. Mark Noble. Oh, yeah, Mark Noble. God, just a team of penalty takers. If Harry Kane will be back by then, so you know, you can put him in, in your midfield or something like that. Who knows? Marcus Rashford. Mustafi, anyone? No, no. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think he'd uh, definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely true. If there was a non Upal game week, you probably want players who, as a baseline, you're going to get you, what, that'd be 18 points just for showing up to every game. That's pretty good. Uh, so you can probably outscore people who are going for boom and bust, say, okay, this player is probably going to play. Half the game, just over half. So you might play for five, get some subs, and you're hoping for a couple of goals in that period. Unless somebody's going to get you 18 points off the bat. Why not? And when all is said and done, you will still outscore me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think the point we made earlier on about the- there being kind of this fissure between the prop- season proper and then what's going to happen at the end will be really key. And it's obviously really hard to answer that question, all jokes aside. Uh, but keeping it serious, next question is Bog Roller. A friend of the pod, James Crow, asked, who in your current FPL teams is the biggest toilet roll holder? Um, Adam, what do you reckon? Now, I, I took this two ways. It's like, who in my current FPL team would hold the most toilet rolls? And who do I think is going to be going out there panic buying toilet roll right now? Um, and that's a little bit of a difficult one. I can see, I mentioned him earlier, I can see Obama Yang liking to stock up on his toilet roll because he likes his flash lifestyle. I can see him kind of almost building a throne out of Andrex Super Soft for some reason. Not sure why. Um, and then who is the biggest toilet roll holder in general? It's oh, a difficult question to answer. Would you not go back really to Mustafi it. again there, considering he never keeps clean sheets? <laughs> I don't think I've ever owned him in FPL. Oddly enough, I know that'll be a shock to you. Why wouldn't I own a terrible Arsenal defender? <laughs> um, I guess Woodman probably is the biggest toilet roll holder, the goalkeeper who is actually on loan at Swansea, because he's never played. So... Yeah, okay. So that's kind of like the Didier Deschamps water carrier sort of thing, uh, taken to new lengths. So he's just kind of just uh, just fulfilling a role without being particularly glamorous, I see. Um, I support the goalkeepers just because they can use their hands on the pitch, right? No, okay. <laughs> uh, I'd settled on Lewis Dunk because in, in my brain, he's in quarantine with Shane Duffy. So I, I just felt like they probably would need a lot of toilet roll between the two of them. 
<laughs> what are you suggesting they're eating? <laughs> <laughs> Duffy's just preparing the gel phrase every night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like kidney beans. <laughs> oh, I, I just, I just, just got visions of <laughs> Duffy telling me, I'm going, here you go, Lewis, here's your gel phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's happening. Only 18 <laughs> sheets of paper for tomorrow, Shane. <laughs> Only 18. Oh, God. And uh, keeping uh, keeping to the same sort of area, another crap question, literally, um, is from Late Riser, who asks, why don't people out in the UK use a bidet instead of TP? Pretty much everybody in India uses a bidet. Why don't we use a butt flusher in the UK slash in Ireland or Brussels, for you, Zach? I think this is Adam's area of expertise. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked me this question because I have prepared actually a 15-page monologue. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I'm not going to say what I was going to say there. Um, <laughs> Can't read out the 15 pages. How about the executive summary? I was um, going to read out the 15 pages, but I ran out of bog roll. <laughs> <laughs> you see, yeah, I actually. He now, just I enjoyed think... writing it that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! I don't know. It's a great question. It really is. Um. So I was in Japan once and um, I arrived at the airport in Tokyo. I hadn't slept in approximately 20 hours at this point. And I went into the, the bathroom, as you do after getting off the plane, to, I think it was to do a number two, if you want the details, folks. So I would have used a toilet paper. But um, I couldn't help but notice that there was effectively like a keyboard at the side of the the toilet like right there kind of if you were to sit down it was on your right there was just like a keypad there must have been maybe a dozen buttons two rows of six uh, and before i sat down i kind of couldn't help but figure like i had to figure out what these all did because i could tell that it was heated already like you didn't need to even look at it to know that this thing was warm seat as well so this is a heated toilet this is a high tech toilet if i've ever seen one so i was like right i'll try out these buttons um, so the first one, I know, I didn't know what it did. Like there was a load of them, and I was just kind of like, they must be just adjusting the temperature or the angle of the seat or something, because I, I couldn't really see from standing up what they were doing. But then I clicked one of them, and so there was this kind of like enclave that you could see within the toilet bowl itself. But I didn't know what this enclave was. I could just tell that there was like a something in this thing. And when I pressed this button, suddenly just this thing shoots out and just immediately water starts spraying vertically upwards towards my face. This was obviously some sort of like high-tech bidet system and I just about <laughs> dodged it. And that's why I don't want a bidet. I, I just don't know how to use them really. I know that sounds really strange. Um, but the butt flusher thing, cause you see it when you go on holidays concerns for Europe and stuff. You're like, well, what's that for? I don't want to don't want to see what, what goes goes in there. I think it's a cultural thing. It's probably the uh, the clever answer here. That is just how we culturally deal with our stuff is different wherever you are. Like, I know, they're great for swimming togs. You know, if you're on like a beach holiday or something, just toss them in there. That's true, actually. That's great, great. Yeah, use. I think that's what we've done in the past. Just just used it as an ancillary place to stick wet stuff. Sounds really dodgy again, doesn't it? In the spirit of this pod, um, Adam, what are your views on B days? I know that you've got a fifteen-page monologue, but really, um, why don't you use a butt flusher? I think it's like you say because uh, this is going to sound weird. I think I'd be a little bit scared of them. Like, do you like turn it on and then position yourself, or do you position yourself and then turn it on? It's a whole minefield of scatological nonsense, really. Uh, and like, if you need to, do you, you obviously have to wipe afterwards. Do you then sit down on the toilet? I, I don't know, like, surely, like, surely it's wet then, so then you've got to use toilet paper anyway. 
yeah. to get rid of... Are you using a towel? Are you telling me you're going to use your house towel and then wash your hands? Or even the hand towel, Tom. Yeah, yeah just have like right, a... Sir. What are you using a towel? I think... Yeah, can we get laterizer the... on with like a voice memo type thing just to give us the lowdown on B-Days? Yeah, I think he's coming on Game Week 3 next year if that happens, so we'll be sure to <laughs> ask him then. But yeah... Game Week 3, um... we look forward to speaking to you in 2022. <laughs> all right hang on let me see if fpl b day is available on fpl twitter <laughs> uh, but, right. uh, let's move on and uh, let's uh, move ourselves out of the gutter shall we and move to something more interesting so uh general zod says can you talk about the psychology of preparing yourself and your family for three to six months of social distancing what are you planning on doing to keep the mind and body healthy these are some of the steps he's taking are things like setting achievable goals, sticking to routines and closely managing his resources. I did uh, have a think about this one because I think it's quite an interesting question. Obviously, something that a lot of people are facing at the moment. And the watchwords for me are uh, resilience and acceptance, uh, resilience, bounce back ability if you're in Holloway and uh, accepting the situation and trying to thrive in it. Yeah, actually, it's said and done, isn't it? But yeah, I watched a TED talk a while ago by a clinical psychologist and a few kind of pragmatic steps that I've uh, adapted from that for this answer is that one, your struggle is real. Um, just accept it as your reality. The confines are there. We're all going through it. So the sooner you stop sort of denying them or rallying against them and accept them, the sooner you can progress so kind of mentally. Um, the second thing is everyone has been through something kind of awful in their lives. There's always an experience that you can draw on what you did, what you felt, how you behaved try to kind of draw on that and kind of think okay it's not as bad as that hopefully the third thing is take the initiative in our case you know practically try to find and do things that will help you through it like zod drawing up those steps just little things that will help you along the fourth thing is to take social breaks from your fellow lock-ins so you know your family you love them but you're around them the whole time things can get a bit fraught and that's kind of understandable video conferencing software like the house party app is really useful even just a video call Men in particular can be awful at reaching out to their mates, especially if you just meet down in the pub kind of coincidentally after work. Just whack a friend a text and arrange to have a virtual beer. Like, we'll definitely get your spirits up to talk to someone other than your other half or your family and things like that. Um, I think it will definitely give you like, a little mental lift. And the final thing is to be kind to yourself and whatever outlet you use. Like, don't chide yourself for watching that one extra episode, listening to that one extra track, playing that extra half hour. It's a tough time. I'm not going to condone drinking or smoking too much because you're adults, but um, like it still feeds into the main point. Just don't, don't be too hard on yourself. And at the risk of sounding like a prat, we're all in this together. Social media is awful as a, as a source of news at this point, as just see loads of crap. Um, but there's so many people other than just your WhatsApp contacts in there. Um, at its best, as we mentioned earlier, the memes, the conversation, the camaraderie is a fantastic source of strength. Uh, just help us all through. Just be kind to each other, but definitely use that to reach out to people as well beyond kind of the people that you're, that you're living with. Um, I think that's really, really useful too. No, yeah, I think it, it is a really interesting question because, uh, I mean, Tom can attest, I'm pretty good at socially distancing myself from him. So uh, I'm uh, isolation perhaps for me is more of, more something i'm familiar with uh, i don't tend to go out a lot but it's still difficult knowing that you don't have that option um but yeah I, i'm gonna learn to bake i'm gonna try and learn to bake and not poison myself um i'm i think i might take up knitting i might take up knitting now is the time for knitting so uh if you ever decide to have me on again you'll see me wearing an arsenal hat uh yeah you're going to be like the quintessential grandmother. It's like we can go over to your house for baking and for like new hats that will be way too warm except for in the depths of January. Exactly. Yeah. 
Cheers. Yeah. So like for me, I can only really build on what Tom had to say. And one thing that like if you are working from home, which if you're a vital worker, continue as you are and being a hero, fair play for those who are working from home to get to that. Don't work from your bed. Like get up and get into a pair of clothes and try to separate your work and life physically, be that the clothes you wear, the room you work in, if you have that luxury to be able to go into a different room, take it. And maybe Tom, what you were saying there about making sure you get in contact with friends and schedule your calls, et cetera. Uh, you kind of touched on it there. It's, it's the people you half know that that extra bit of substance in your life is the person you just get stuck talking to at the cooler or the person you meet in the, in the supermarket or something. It's just, don't just talk to your inner tight circle if you have the time to talk to more people. Just reach out to people that you haven't spoken to in a while, that friend from your exchange, that person you used to work with, whatever, and just have a chat. I think it's, it's, it's a really great time for people to kind of rebuild bridges or reach out to people that they haven't spoken to uh, in a long, long time. So use it. Use this time. Don't be thinking of all the things you could have done after this because we have so much time to think about what you could do right now and you can just do it. Um, two things for me, by the way, as well. I've started trying yoga because I now have the time to do it in the morning, which was once my commute. So giving it a go. I'm poor at it, but it's a bit of fun. And um, I do it with one of my housemates and we both fall over and scrant. And like, there are so many great classes being made available online at the moment for all sorts of different sports and courses, etc. Like even the local yoga place here in Brussels where I live is making their classes available for free and you can dial in on Zoom um, at three different times every day and just join in the class and camera on camera off do as you wish and actually Padraig Harrington the golfer for example is putting up these pretty tutorials on different types of shots that he would do you know these are the sorts of like golf things that would cost thousands usually and you've just got Padraig Harrington going into extreme detail because it is Padraig Harrington it's brilliant uh, that's really cool and I think the the point as well about making that sort of psychological difference between you when you're not at work and you when you're at work when both of those environments are the same environment at home that's really important. So, for example, this weekend, girlfriend and I, we work in the living room. We've got a little pull-out table that we use. Uh, for the weekend on Friday, we, like, consciously put that away. So it felt like it was the weekend and our work kind of wasn't out. Not, we can't bother to put that away every night. Um, but, yeah, like, just kind of having the little things like that, little behavioral nudges, just so you know within yourself, yeah, okay, it's no longer work time. Um, I think that's that's really, really important. I think kind of just to bridge to another question as well, um, Joe from Fans Football Scout, um, follow him obviously um, on Twitter, but also a news and features on Instagram uh, said that self-isolation has seen this middle-aged uh, FPL podcaster start using Instagram for the first time in years. What new skills you learned or plan to learn during this hiatus? So I think that probably, this probably answers that question to some extent, doesn't it? So Adam uh, doing knitting, I'll be needling him about that for quite a while. And uh, Stag, it sounds like, a, yeah, yoga continuing my french classes as well but via zoom but continue there with the knitting <laughs> no i was going to say uh, it's a good point um there are so many especially for languages there are so many good free resources available online so now really is the perfect time to learn another language uh you can use duolingo there are loads of good apps on the app store for that and um yeah sort of try and just expand your mental horizons as your physical horizons have been somewhat limited Yep, you, you reap what you sow. Isn't that right? Uh, so one question came in on cash league calls and it was from Mike Hamilton at Hambo22. And he asked, what will you guys do regarding prizes in cash mini leagues? 
and what might be considered fair. Um, Mike goes into whether people should be asking for rollovers right now, and he notes that, that the picture of a person who's asking that is at the bottom end of the table, so maybe they have ulterior motives behind looking for cash outs now, or, you know, it's difficult. So for me, I think prizes should be given to now. And then you should maybe split your cash, your prize pool for whatever occurs in this later thing. I'm so convinced that this mini World Cup or mini game has to be created that I'm almost banking on this right now with my tips, which is just split the prize pool and have two separate, two separate sets of prizes. And if everyone's happy with it, do that. Yeah, I, I think that definitely makes sense. Uh, I think that obviously you might see what FPL say. Um, like Stag and I are both in a, in a mini league, and I think that we're kind of considering what to do. The rollover probably does make sense, but I guess if you're the guy at the top of the mini league, you're saying, well, don't roll me over. I've, I've got all the money here. I, I want I want my payouts. So I think stuff like you know um, monthly payouts. So you know, every month I'm getting those prizes, getting a high score, um, half the year, like stuff like that, which has already been settled. Settle that and everything else. I think depending on what FPL says, um, should I think be rolled over or you know, some sort of agreement can be made but yeah everything that's really kind of been settled should be settled I, it's, it's very complex and depends on the rules of your mini league of course um adam can, can you continue this thread for me uh, yeah i mean i'm not involved in any cash leagues personally because i'm terrible at the game and i think i mean in an ideal world perhaps if you can't agree on what to do perhaps just uh, donate it to charity donate it to a local charity donate it to a local food bank um, but yeah, if you if you want to allocate a winner necessarily, maybe sort of take how whatever percentage of the season has been completed so far, give that amount to the current leader, and then portion off the next bit for however this uh, this season ends up finishing. I guess. Yeah, sounds fair. Right, next question. Eric Freeman, he implores Adam to give an hour-long monologue on the topic of if this FPL asset were a cheese, he would be. Um, I think what might be better is to throw a few names at Adam and, and see what he does. Uh, so let's start off with Olivier Giroud. Oh, Olivier Giroud is a fine, I'd say a fine gruyere, possibly, you know, luxurious, soft, you know, you sort of think about him every now and then, good with the ladies. Sorry, I got distracted there. Um, <clears throat> next next player. <laughs> <laughs> John Terry. Uh, pff, uh, I mean, he's like your basic sort of store-bought British cheddar that goes off after a week. Uh, and you sort of don't really know what it tastes like, but you know it tastes bad. It tastes like the wrapping that it comes in. <laughs> uh, damn me. Um, Carney. Um, a little bit more exotic, maybe like a Wensleydale and Cranberry. Uh, a little bit of a fruity twist on your more traditional sort of big man striker, you know, because he's got the little flair in there. Every time you bite down on a cranberry, you're like, oh, a little bit zesty, you know? All right. Uh, certainly makes sense. Um... Leighton Baines. Uh, Leighton Baines, reliable, sturdy, been around for a while. Maybe, maybe something like a Red Leicester. often overlooked but never nevertheless sort of a firm favorite amongst many Mm -hmm. uh gary mabbott gary mabbott um oh that's a tough one uh blue cheese maybe a bit of an acquired taste slightly slightly old i don't know (laughs) that's a tough one (laughs) 
David James. David James, um, a bizarre creature, um, uh, a little bit different, used to be quite good, then sort of faded towards the end. So let's go for... Mm, let's go for fondue. Yeah, fondue used to be fashionable. Now he's sort of a little bit cringeworthy. There we go. David James. I've got fondue. you. I've got you. The pecorino of uh, of goalkeepers. A bit liquid, liquid as well, and that you know he could also play as a striker when needed. You know, very Indeed. versatile. Fluid. Yeah, fluid, fluid football. All right, and finally, David Beckham. Um, all bark and no bite. A bit too showy for me. I'm trying to think of a showy, maybe maybe something like a a mozzarella. Mm. So a lot of style, no substance. Yeah. All right, second one. Shakran Mustafi. Ah, uh, there. Uh, Lear Dammer, holes everywhere. Oh, yes, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so a Peter Griffin uh, meme, isn't it? He said it. He said it. All right, and uh, in a similar vein, uh, Rich FPL asks, "What are your favourite jokes?" Um. Actually, quite a difficult one because, like, a lot of the time, my jokes. I, I'm not the sort of person who has like a, you know, like a, a, a full-on. Here's the joke and tells the joke. It's more reacting and being reactive to what's going on, what's being said. Like meta humor, running jokes. If you do this this podcast in, in normal times, um, you probably know that we do have a lot of running jokes which do run through the podcast, and a lot of people do not like it when they first listen, and I hope do kind of get their head around it eventually. Um, so jokes that really dry- finish the conversation together. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, that absolutely balls it up, haven't I? Really, I should have kept that. We kept that thread going. No, you uh, were going yeah, no. well. You were going fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no pulling the wool over your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, linning them up now, aren't we? Really. Um, but yeah, uh, pun based humour, as you can probably hear, is also one of uh, a favourite of mine. And um, you guys would reckon? I, I I discovered a new genre since I first saw this question being asked, and it's Adam talking about cheese. <laughs> It's it's really far up my list at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, but a bit like Tom, I'm a man who likes irony. I like references. I particularly like Irish humor and stuff that kind of links back to you know maybe the past a little bit with a bit of wit, maybe that throws in the classics. These are the things I like. I hear you're a racist now, Father. Oh Jesus. <laughs> He's after the Chinese has taken on the whole new sense of resonance now, hasn't oh, it? <laughs> Adam, what do you reckon? Uh, uh, I guess, like you guys, I'm, I'm more of a pun fan than necessarily a traditional joke. I mean, I sort of grew up in a house where my dad thought the height of humour was the classic. What time? What's the best time to go to the dentist? Two thirty, kind of stuff like things that would make a christmas cracker embarrassed really so uh so no i'm much more of a fan of puns than traditional jokes i think yeah no that certainly makes sense i'm, I'm glad that you managed to get out of that particular bind right okay moving on the best premier league goal ever our friend fpl secrets on uh, instagram asked what's your favorite premier league goal ever uh, adam do you want to go first yeah i think it's a com it's a difficult one for me uh I, I have to mention probably two Arsenal ones first up. So I'll go Jack Wilshere against Norwich, the beautiful tick attacker goal. I can't remember when it was, but him and Olivier Giroud with some excellent interplay. 
Uh, and then Olivier Giroud again uh, makes a, another appearance um, with the Scorpion kick goal against Crystal Palace. I just think that's... Yeah. And it was... Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks after Mikatarian scored a similar one for Man United. So I'd never seen a Scorpion kick in a live game before. And then all of a sudden there's two in such a short space of time. It was really, really bizarre. And the birth of the meme, Scorpion kicks like buses, aren't they? <laughs> um, right, uh, I definitely had that Wilshire versus Norwich goal on my list. I kind of picked out three different types of goals. So you have the tiki-taka of that Wilshire goal. You have the sheer unbelievableness of the Rooney bicycle kick versus Man City at that time. That was a, an absolutely classic game. And just maybe it had the wow factor of a Scorpion kick mm. goal, but being scored by you know the player that was expected to carry his team against the rivals, it was... There was much more to it than just the goal. Kind of a bit like Ronaldo or Bale's bicycle kick goals in the Champions League, which also a bit like London buses came together. And um, another one that came to mind was Papi Cisse against Chelsea. Kind of a totally different type of goal. Yeah, proper just belter from range that kind of confounds the usual laws of physics. Just brilliant. You know, I had Papi Cisse as as one of my two. Uh, the other one's Dennis Burkamp, Arsenal versus Newcastle. So the ball comes in from Perez on the left, hard to feet. Uh, Burkamp has toon legend Nikos Dabazas uh, tight on him. There's one elegant magical touch. The Dutch master flicks the ball round and sits down the Greek defender in one flowing pirouette before calmly placing it in the bottom corner. Exquisite. Obviously, you've got all these sorts of goals, you know, like David Beckham against Wimbledon from the halfway line, Tony Yeboah's smasher for Leeds. So there's lots and lots of ones, but I think everyone has one sort of emblematic one that I always remember. And I think that's one of mine. That's one of the ones. It was 2001, I think it was. Something that people might like to watch, maybe for throwbacks or just because they've never seen it before. In FIFA 2006, there was this built in like video you could watch, and it was like 10 of the best goals of all time. Um, up to obviously 2006 at that point. And it included the Yeboah goal. It included the really good Canio volley. It included an Eric Cantona goal where he kind of had a quick interplay, I think with like Brian McClare or somebody. And Is it the chip, over, chip yeah. over Hans Sager? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Before my time, but quite the goal. Uh, there was a Ronaldinho one in there. It's, it's class and it's done to really good music as well. I highly recommend someone going and watching that over the next uh, months, years. Yeah, exactly. I do think the the best, probably one of the best goals I've, I have seen, uh, which is a bit unfortunate because it's against my team, was the Ryan Giggs goal. I think that that, that would be yes. the one. If someone said, which goal like, do you think this would be the best one ever? I think at the time in that game, that was just that was just insane, frankly. I mean, yeah, okay, the uh, Solskjaer goal as well for, in the Champions League for a different reason as well. That was just objectively as a as a moment, that was great, but... In the Premier League, yeah, a Burkham goal. Right, uh, so getting away from football, back on to Adam. Uh, the spotlight shifts, he's shaking his head there. It's a Pritch... No, I'm not say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Morpheus Fire asks, how long will the queue of ladies outside Adam's door be once social dis- distancing ends? I'm assuming there will be an unfil- unfulfilled need for puns in these times. And uh, relatedly, uh, Flapjack, hope you're recovering, mate. Shout out to you. Um, asks, will Adam be bringing back his Christmas profile picture to help ch- cheer FPL Twitter up? Uh, just to give you some context, this is Adam doing the boy band sort of uh, crouch in front of a Christmas tree um, in a very interesting attire, shall we say. <laughs> no, he's not naked. I guess that's what you're thinking. But he's, he's, wearing, he's wearing his Arsenal sort of pyjamas. Uh, yeah, I think it should be seen. It should be aired at some point. I wish I'd taken a screenshot of it at this point. Uh, so Adam, what do you reckon? Um, on the queue, uh, I can't imagine um, 
I can't imagine there'll be much of a queue. Certainly, I mean, my Twitter feed is always active of puns. If you need your uh, if you need your fill there, because that is the only need I will be able to satisfy. Um, In fairness, like the first queue was a shock, and the second one, you know, it's amazing to have a sequel, but a third. <laughs> oh dear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah the very fabric of this pod has uh continued along the pace hasn't it really yeah uh I, I, yeah well we'll see maybe uh maybe after this adam things will uh things will uh heat up in the romance department who knows especially if you're giving them big jumpers to wear right uh next thing uh north landon is what uh, so he who does the pod from Planet FPL poses the following scenario. Football returns, but only of regional derbies. Arsenal versus Spurs happens 38 times. Who wins the North London League? Uh, honest answer, probably Arsenal women, because they're the only actual good team in North London. Like, <laughs> I, genuinely, Arsenal women are like, a really, yeah, really fun and entertaining. Yeah, Dean is great, isn't got, she? Yeah, and uh, Nobs as well. You know, they've they got, they got some good players. Um, but... Arsenal, Arsenal v Spurs happens thirty-eight times. Who's the winner? Not sure. Who's the loser? Everyone who has to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no, you're probably about right. Um... I didn't consider the knobs and co. Um, when I was thinking about it, I was just thinking about <laughs> always consider the knobs stack. Sorry, Adam, I, I just forgot for a second. But I was thinking about if you have Jose Mourinho at the helm for 38 games against the same club, he is going to be living rent-free, and that's hard to do in London, in Mikel Arteta's head. Like, it's like It would be like with Guardiola, I guess Arteta's father, Pep Guardiola, back in their El Clasico days in La Liga. Uh, he really got into Guardiola's head and melted him eventually and won the league title with Real Madrid that time and basically caused Guardiola to leave Barcelona if you're to agree with some accounts that in the pro Mourinho media. And I also think as well that this might be the final, the finally the chance for Troy Parrott to come of age. You know, it's, I think it's the, the uncertainty of week by week playing different teams and different defenders is making Mourinho protect our boy. But I think when they're playing against the same team every week, he can kind of just slowly bed him into the first team, knowing what's coming. And Troy Parrott won't become a Premier League footballer, but he will become the anti-Arsenal footballer. You mean by bedding him in, he's going to play 20 minutes in the 37th game, and then Mourinho will, go, will kind of present that to the press as saying that that's how he bloods young players. minutes is a victory for Irish <laughs> football, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question then. Which manager manages you? Um, our mate Ali uh, Claret FPL asks, which current manager would you want to be your boss at your current job? Um, I definitely don't think it would be Chris Wilder. He seems like he seems like the kind of person that leaves reviews on Google Business. He's way <laughs> too honest. Like he takes it. Um, so maybe someone like Eddie Howe, who... Uh, doesn't really seem to blame his players that much if they play badly. Uh, he's got a job for life, so you know as an employee you're pretty safe as well. But I'm basically just trying to think of who's going to give me the easiest ride possible and likely to overpay me. Because, I mean, if he thinks Jordan I, but like 15 million is good value, I mean, I must be worth at least a couple of quid. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a man who 
voluntarily signed Dom Solanke. Right. Uh, Stank, what do you reckon? I took this as FPL manager um, as opposed to Premier League manager. So I've gone off in a totally different direction. And I'd settled, wow. I'd settled in, which current FPL manager would you want as your boss? So I was like, oh, well, it's chief for me. It's FPL chief. He's a, a thoroughly nice bloke. Uh, I get on well with him, but I think he'd also give me the space I need to thrive. Like he wouldn't be an overbearing presence as a boss. If I was to think of a Premier League, like I think in my professional life, I kind of want someone who's going to like actually put the pressure on, maybe get the best out of me. But you know, at the end of the day, that you'll get the job done. And so for me, that's probably going to be Mikel Arteta. Um, he just he doesn't have quite the same like erratic madness that Guardiola seems to bring. Um, see Nathan Redmond here, um, but Arteta does seem like a thoroughly sound guy. He seems like someone who would actually consider people's um mental state, and um, he just seems like someone who'd be good to have around. Yeah, I think Guardiola would definitely be the sort of guy that if you handed something in and you'd made sure it was perfect, he'd be the sort of guy like that's one pixel out. Mm-hmm. Or you'd send it to him at five o'clock on the on the Wednesday night. The next day you come in, it'd be completely rewritten. It'd be completely changed from what you gave him because mm-hmm. he'd have over forty completely. So definitely wouldn't want to work for Guardiola. Um, maybe Nuno uh, would be my would be my pick. He likes to have a small team. Um, you're pretty kind of guaranteed to be in the inner circle if you are part of that small team. Doesn't seem to say very much uh, uh, outside of uh, outside the dressing room. All the players seem to love him and back him, but he doesn't really say very much. Doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to project very much. So I think that um, you know he'd he'd be a kind of a strong silent type, which I kind of get on with. He wouldn't micromanage me. He'd let me go on with what I really need to do, and I'd know the fact that I'm in the team means that um, he does love me. Um, I think that'd probably be enough for me. And he has a, he has a very nice beard as well. Uh, so maybe it'd be Nuno for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'd have Chris Wilder or uh, or Daishi. I think that'd probably be too much. They'd be shouting at you every five seconds. What about Daniel Farke, Tom? Uh, maybe, but I think that I just make too many jokes about his name and get sacked. <laughs> I just, yeah. Anyway, uh, the final question uh, this week, a uh, menagerie of questions of this very, very heavily edited podcast, <laughs> is uh, Tom Campbell, who asks, are you able to watch football as football fans when the football's on, or has fantasy completely won? Nick and I did a, a combined podcast in October, I think it was, back in the Halcyon days when everything was normal, we weren't all uh, uh, being plagued um, with Planet uh, FPL. And James asked us a similar, very similar question to this, which is like, would you prefer your team won the league or you won fantasy football? And for me, hands down, it is now I win fantasy football, given the nature of what we do and think that, yeah, it's, it's definitely very difficult to disentangle the two now. And in fact, I probably kind of probably take the game over the, over the over the football. Like if, if, if FPL comes back and it's behind closed doors, I'll still get my fix as long as they sort it out as spoken about above. Um, yeah, I, I think that fantasy definitely is one. Like, it's very difficult to watch a game if there's fantasy involved and not like be thinking about that first. Obviously, if it's like a pure watch, if it's like a different league or something like that, then I can still watch the game and enjoy it. But with the Premier League, I find it very, very difficult to watch it and not think about fantasy now. In fact, it's impossible uh, for me. Uh, so yeah, I think fantasy is completely one for me. How about you guys? I think I'm still I'm still definitely a football fan first. Uh, I don't th- I think mainly because I'm not good enough at fantasy football. I think if I had if I cared too much about it, and I was an Arsenal fan, that's just almost too much sadomasochism for my small little brain to handle. Um, but no, I think it'll be interesting in a sort of meta narrative context to see how we all come out of this 
elongated break in terms of what is our relationship to football like? Are we going to be sort of frothing at the mouth for Burnley Aston Villa at 12.30 on that first Saturday? Or is it going to be sort of um, a bit of a, a bit of a meh feeling? Are we going to have become accustomed to life without football? Um, it's going to be an interesting one for me personally to see how my relationship with the game changes. But back to Tom's question, I think I'm definitely still a football fan first over fantasy. So for me, I, you've kind of addressed this as a, almost like an Arsenal versus FPL type thing. I think both of you have in a sense. Whereas for me, okay, as a kid, I grew up as a Manchester United fan, but I... I wouldn't be the die-in-the-wool uh, type United fan still, if that makes sense. What I found was that as the team which I grew up with disintegrated bit by bit under when Ferguson left and then later the likes of Rooney left, and actually eventually it was Michael Carrick retiring, felt like a real you know, line in the sand for me. And it was only when Solskjaer took back charge at United that I was just like, Do you know what, this is, this is the the club that I liked again and like there was a whole new generation of young players have come through obviously or the ones that they've bought in as well and I found those a lot easier to get behind and so I do watch United games as a fan and I've actually been quite able to do that I watch an awful lot of continental football which I definitely watch as a fan too but when it comes to your Aston Villas versus Burnley on 12.30 on a Saturday I would never watch that really unless you know unless it's going to be the return of football trademark copyright 2020 um <laughs> This year, when I, I will certainly watch it if that is the first game in the return. I, I always just, there. those are FPL games for me. And it's all about like, I don't know, Ashley Barnes sneezing in the right direction and heading the ball into the net or whatever it may be that I need to happen. So somewhere between the two, Tom, to answer the question. Cool. Makes sense. All right. Uh, just a fun fact for you. Um, you've been spun a yarn uh, on this podcast by the probably the lowest average age FPL podcast ever. Um, so I'm 30, Stag's 23 and Adam's 22. So an average of 25 years old, uh, this podcast. There's only well, there's two quasi-beards on the show. Um, one of them is a Chinese, I can't grow a beard, but I'm, I'm hinting it. I could do it if I wanted to, sort of stubble. So uh, just something I thought I'd put in now rather than at the start. Um, I thought you'd have all tuned out, wouldn't you? So you're kind of like the Nemanja Matic in this thing, Tom. Uh, I was thinking about the wise old head in the team. Yeah. yeah like Matt Letizier kind of teaching Alan Shearer how oh, I was done. thinking this modern-day Man United. It's just like, who's over 30 in that United team? And there's very few left when you go <laughs> beyond him. It's like, Adam, sure. would you consider yourself to be a, a Mason Greenwood-type character here? Oh, Jesse Lingard, surely. I thought I might be the Jesse Lingard. <laughs> that, you know, it's like everyone keeps saying I'm young, but I'm actually not the youngest one here anymore. <laughs> oh, I've gone for Juan Mata over, um, oh, over Nemanja Matic. I'd be delighted with um, that. I will be delighted. God, that's a great compliment. Thank you. I'd take that. Yeah, exactly. Take a that great, great compliment to myself. That's why I'd have taken <laughs> that. Anyway, uh, should we round that off? <laughs> oh, let's keep considering how I could be Juan Mata. I'm, yeah, okay. I was going to say, um, it was for me, for guys over 30. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm taking it, I'm taking it, I'm taking it. Oh, dear Yeah, man. it's like... Sorry. Definitely Jesse Lingard if you're overvaluing but yourself. Now like you've got it. Now you've done it. <laughs> okay, just to say, we are, of course, who got the assist. You can find this pod on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, or you'll find Nick at WGTA underscore Nick, me, FPL Stag, at FPL Stag. The podcast is now on Instagram with Tom at WGTA.FPL. So if you're hip enough to be on there, check us out there. We were, of course, joined by our fabulous cheese expert and guest, 
uh, Adam Pritchard this week. You will find him on Twitter at 35who for plenty of puns. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Adam. Thanks very much for having me on, guys. It was, uh, it was brilliant. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. Yeah, you know the camera again. <laughs> <sighs> we will hopefully be back uh, next week and we will continue to pod for as long as people are listening to us talk about cheese and wool and things like that. In the meantime, hope to see you and we'll speak to you next week. Please do stay safe. Thank you. Bye. There was, there was a great moment there where Tom and I were both quickly rushing through cheeses in our head to come up with a pun reply and neither <laughs> of us could do it. I was just stuck with feta in my head. I was like, I can't, I can't think of anything but feta. <laughs> could have been feta. Oh, dear. oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.